So You Think You Can Manage. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode this week of So You Think You Can Manage podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm here today with Shane. Unfortunately, Biscuit will not be able to join us today, but Shane, how are you doing? Glorious. This is the first time we're talking on a win streak, man. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. This is, this is wonderful. No, absolutely. You, you hit around the nose. We finally get to have a winning podcast for once. And uh, for those who might have missed some of the games last week, the Phillies uh, fired Joe Girardi, as we talked about on our Friday episode, the two-part episode. And then the uh, Phillies decide to rattle off, uh, well, four straight wins since the firing, but five, including his final game. Uh, the final game in the Giants series, and you sweep the weekend series over the Angels, and then you win the first game of the Milwaukee series after the Monday off day, and then you close out that series with two more games here uh, Wednesday evening and then Thursday afternoon. <laughs> so, obviously, uh, finally a very good week. Before we kind of get into the ins and outs of why we started winning, I mean, Jay, let's just talk about how how glorious it is to, to watch some wins and actually not uh, not having to come on here and talk about a, a week full of losing, whether it was a 0 for 5 week or even just a 2 for 3 week, which we've seen a lot. So what's it like to actually watch a winning baseball for a week? <laughs> it's awesome. Um, I, I mean, like, you you can't overstate that. Like, th- this, we've just been longing for a really, really positive week. And, and it's not to say we haven't had that this year. We, you know, we opened the season a relatively positive as we have the last several years. Uh, and then obviously that West Coast trip uh, was, was was a ton of fun, despite the way it ended. Yes. Um, but one thing that I will say that differs from not so much the season start, but certainly the L.A. trip um, or West Coast trip. Um, do they just look like they're having fun, man? Like. I mean, even in the post-game interviews last night, like music could be heard uh, during, you know, uh, Thompson's interviews from the coaches uh, or from the manager's room. Um, you know, guys are, are, are rowdy in the, in the locker room um, or in the clubhouse. Um, and they're just loose on the field, man. And like, it's just, it's such a completely different group. And we talked about that on, on our shows, on our two parts on, uh, on Friday. Like we thought that that was going to be one of the biggest things to look out for it was a team that came out loose, a team that came out ready to have a little bit of fun. Um, and I think for the first time in a really long time, I, I think it's very, very evident what we're watching is a as a group of guys playing a game that they love, and that's that's beautiful. No, that question, and I think you used two key words there uh, that kind of lead into my into the question I was going to ask. And use the words fun and loose. And my question was going to be, what has been the biggest thing in these? I know it's only been four games, but what was the biggest thing you've noticed in these four games since the manager will change? Because those were honestly, especially fun, uh, was a word I was going to use. Is this group just looks like they're finally enjoying baseball? It's not the the Kyle Gibson stories you heard that oh his wife said you guys only <laughs> look like you you want to play baseball. It doesn't even look fun. No, it's been the complete opposite these last four games. So I don't know if you have any other words besides those two here. Uh, I know you just used them, but what has been the biggest thing you've seen from from the team as a whole since uh, the, the change? Um, I think the first thing is there's there's resilience. You know, there's there's not that lay down and and you see that uh, we talked about it so much before uh, over the last several weeks with this team that it was just even when they were winning, they were just waiting for that other shoe to drop. How are we going to lose tonight? How are we going to embarrass ourselves tonight? Um, and then when they you know did inevitably lose leads, which we have seen so often this year and over the last however many years at this point, it was like, well, 
there it is. Like we're not coming back tonight. Uh, and in four short nights, man, we, we've we've seen this team show some show some heart, um, you know, and come out there. And I think a, a big part of that is there is there's something deeply romantic about the the players that come up who have not yet had a significant taste of Major League Baseball and all that that has to offer. Whether you're in your home city of Philadelphia, whether you are traveling in the road and you're in Milwaukee and you know, you're dealing with you know, different cities and, and different cultures and different fan bases, uh, different venues, different fans, different crowds, you need that infusion of youth. And right now we're getting it. And I think that when, when you see, I mean, like, let's, I don't know how many of our listeners are parents. Like I obviously none of the, well, no biscuit is, um, you know, but of the, of either of us, we, we are not, but I would imagine, I mean, I've coached young kids for, for many years and like, it is so much fun to see them have fun and to see, like, as the elder statesman in the room, you sit there and you're like, wow, this is what this game is about. And it's almost like you need that to appreciate the game of baseball when you're down. Like you need someone who doesn't know that this sucks right now in Philadelphia because they're just so giddy to be here. They're so ready to be in the show. Uh, and I think that's what you're getting right now, whether it's a call up uh, of Mayton before the shoulder, whether it's, um, you know, Mickey being back in the lineup, um, you know, and uh, it, it's just it's so great to see. Hey, with that question, and you mentioned the youth, you mentioned the the resilience, and, and that's something you really didn't see. And we, I know in the offseason, we're all talking about, oh, this team is late in the games. You're not going to be able to count this team out. But the, the first part of the season until now recently, it was kind of like, oh, it's the same old team. You're losing in the seventh or eighth inning. You're, you're going to fall. But you mentioned the young guys have really helped this team. And, for again, for those who might have missed the last couple of days, uh, what Shane's referring to as well is you had a Bryson Stott walk, walk-off home run on Sunday against the Angels to, to seal that 9-7 to victory there in the ninth inning after the team was trailing by one run in the ninth. And then last night, you had off uh, Josh Hader, a very good good pitcher so far this year. Uh, it was actually the first two runs he gave up. You had uh, home runs by Matt Verling, and you had a um, tying home run by Alec Boom. So uh, it's it's been... These guys have really started to turn that corner, and these young guys have been uh, able to. And for those who were kind of saying last week you were playing a struggling Angels team and everything, and it's still early. Well, yesterday was against a guy who hasn't given up a run since July 28th of last year. And <laughs> like, that's just incredible to me. Like, especially for a team who's used to having all these bullpen issues. Could you imagine having, having a closer that's been that locked down and never having to worry about the ninth inning? No, we sold ourselves uh, for one year of Brad Lidge. Like, yeah, I, I mean, it's one been, year of perfect Lidge. Oof. Unreal, though, man. But, I, just ridiculous. Yeah, so these young guys. So, yeah, those guys have really turned the court. And, I mean, talk about a day from Matt Verling. I mean, I've, obviously, after getting sent down to AAA, uh, I forget when it was, but earlier in the season, you get called up. And that same day you get called up, you hit a game, game, uh, Go ahead and home run there in the ninth inning of the game before you, you close out the victory, uh, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But I mean, what what a day for him! And while we're we're kind of talking about the young guys, you also I had marked on the show you had a couple roster moves yesterday. You called up Matt Verling, you called up Scott Kingery as Camargo and uh, Wheeler 
gets sent uh, off the team for a little bit. Camargo uh, is on the IL after injuring his knee, and Wheeler just goes on paternity leave. So we'll see if he misses a start or if he's able to come back for his start. I believe his next start was scheduled for Saturday. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how he does there. But th- those were the two big moves there. So you get younger again there. We'll see what, what Kingery is able to do uh, as he comes back, if he gets any playing time at all uh, there. I'm interested to see how he kind of responds after getting another chance here. But I, I think, I mean, let's let's start with those real quick. What, what do you think? Is he going to get an opportunity? Do you expect anything from him? Because he was, even with him getting caught up, he was struggling down the minors. Yeah, I don't, I don't expect anything from, from Kingery. Um, I wish the kid nothing but the best, um, but he he's just he's got a lot to work on right now to, to re- redefine who he is as a player. Um, you know, I think all the things that made him so incredibly special uh, coming up, you know, be, being a second round draft pick, um, you know, winning those like minor league gold gloves, players of the month, um, you know, adding all that power uh, in his final year in the minors there. Um you know, so much was predicated on on speed and just line drive hitting and allowing for, you know, I, I mean, in minor league ballparks and those short alleyways to kind of take you the rest of the way for any of that home run power. Um, and then, you know, he gets that nearly unprecedented deal in the majors. And, you know, like so many other guys, like it's just it, he it just he wasn't ready. You know, he, he really got fast tracked uh, in the minors there. Um, you know, I mean, he had what half a season of double A and you know, a couple of weeks of triple A. Um, and then he was signed to that, you know, $25 million deal. Um, and then it's just to, to fail in a city like Philly, you know, it's tough. Um, he's another guy where I do feel like if he gets the opportunity to play elsewhere uh, in another city, I, I think that he could become, you know, at least a serviceable MLB talent, whether that be a role player or, you know, a, a utility infield type of guy. Um, but, uh, you know, I think this is purely just a, Hey, you know, Wheeler's, you know, Wheeler's out on paternity. We'll, we'll bring the guy up right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't see any time at all. Yeah. I think it'd be more just kind of a late inning, maybe defensive substitution, maybe a pitch runner. Uh, if you, if you have it, obviously, um, like you mentioned, he was, he was also built off speed a little bit. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see how they, they use him here, but I, I don't know if you knew this, but I, I kind of went in to look at his numbers. And I knew he was struggling. I was reading he was struggling, but he's hitting this year in AAA. He's hitting 185. I just feel so bad for the kid. He was he was really supposed to be a, like a fantastic player. And even last year when he got sent down, in 23 games last year, he hit 181. And then mm-hmm. 16 games this year, as I just said, he's hitting 185. So that's just, I, I honestly thought, I didn't know if, I didn't think he like making the, in the majors, obviously, after getting called down, but I thought, at least in AAA, he'd be putting up some decent numbers, but that's just that is terrible. I I just think he's mentally beat, man. I, I again, I think it's a change yeah. of scenery situation for him. Um, you know, I think that it takes a it takes a really special individual to be um to be humbled by failure and to to be able to to kind of pull themselves back out of it in Philadelphia or a city like Philadelphia. Um, and at least to this point, you know, it, it certainly feels like it's, it's more a mental than physical thing. Um, you know, and that's, that's, it's, it's a shame because I, I do believe he's got a ton of talent. He's got a plus arm. He's got great range. He's got an excellent glove. Uh, he's a very good base runner. Uh, he's an, you know, average base stealing threat. If there is one in major league baseball anymore, um, you know, and that when he's right, yeah. When, when he's right in the box, like, 
he's an all fields line drive hitter. Um, you know, it's just, he, he just, he got that loop in his swing and, and his approach changed and, you know, it's, it's, uh, he's, he's got a lot of work ahead of him, uh, to, to make himself, uh, you know, useful for, for a ball club, um, in the future, but, uh, you, you do, you feel for him. And kind of, so going back to, to the good wins we had from those young guys and everything, my question to you is, is this just a, a quick hot stretch, you know, from excitement from the manager change or have the Phillies turned the corner? Like, is this, is this the corner you're going to go on that run we've all been hoping for? Um, I think it was, I mean, we, we've given Dombrowski and, uh, you know, in the front office, a lot of grief for waiting as long as they did to, to move on from, uh, from Girardi. Um, I think now in hindsight, um, bringing him in against a, a an incredibly struggled uh, Los Angeles Angels team, man, I, I, it might've just been the perfect, like all of this might've been the perfect recipe for the reset. Um, I'm not prepared to say that, Hey, we're back. We've turned a corner. Um, but uh, you know, th- there's, there's a lot of positives right now. And I think the two biggest are coming back and winning uh, in late innings when you were down, um, you know, showing that kind of fight mentality and whether that be your superstar in Bryce Harper, who's seems to be in the middle of everything uh, or your young guys who have really, you know, been very much so trusted. And there's a lot of quotes so far from Rob uh, Thompson at this point, um, you know, to, to support that. Um, you know, I, I think this is, this is the type of thing where I, you kind of check in and see where you're at uh, in June. Um, I'm curious, like what, what your thoughts were last night uh, with, I, I mean, here's hmm. when you when you look at Corey Knable uh, you know he is so much built on the success of his curveball and he clearly has not had that for a while and his fastball is just not good enough uh and his command is not good enough so you know I mean even when he was you know pumping in it felt like every at bat last night was eight ten pitches because guys just kept fouling things off he didn't have anyone up in the pen at the time he was just prepared to lose that game. Now that could just be young manager, uh, you know, or young to the management role. Um, or it could be stubborn, you know, it could be, Hey, the fans have wanted, you know, Corey can able to get the ball in these situations. Like I believe in Corey, um, you know, but to me, I think that there's like, that should be a growth point. The next time someone is struggling in the ninth inning, uh, I hope that there is someone ready to go. Uh, in the bullpen. So that's a big thing that I want to see over the next week or two, if, uh, if that happens. Uh, and then two, like I'm do, put your big boy pants on. We, we know that like Corey Knable was supposed to be the closer at this point. It has not worked out. Uh, certainly as of late, this is the, this is the moment where he should not get the ball in the ninth inning of a tied game or, uh, or where we're protecting a lead, looking to save and close something out. Um, and that's that's a big ask for for a, a first year you know manager even with the interim title. So um, I'll be curious to see what what happens with that. What was your kind of take on that last night? Yeah, I think last night for me, uh, what was the final straw for for Corey Knievel? I mean, I, I get he, he got out of it and he he showed showed a lot by buckling down, getting that strikeout with the bases loaded in that one run game. But he's already cost us multiple times this year. And, I mean, you look at – I mean, talk about – I mean, I know we've been on here before talking about some momentum and trying to get momentum for this team to go on a run. 
But talk about a momentum killer. I mean, you have Bryce Harper. What was it? I forget which game it was, but it was against the Braves. Uh, I forget which yeah. one in the series. But he has the home run and yep. takes the lead. And, and then all of a sudden, Knievel comes in and blows the game. Uh, against the Angels, the eighth inning, you have Bryce Harper gets the grand slam. And Phil's end up winning this one against the Angels. But he has a grand slam in the eighth inning, ties the game at six. And so, okay, Phil's got the momentum. He comes into the ninth inning, gives up the run. So, I mean, that just has happened way too much here from him. And last night, I mean, again, he, he ends up getting the save and everything, but you get the two home runs off a closer who doesn't give up many runs, if at all, that often. You, you get the lead on him, and he walks three guys. And yep. I mean, we've seen we've seen Jose Alvarado do that before, and he, his command struggle. But here's the thing, and obviously, I'm not saying here he get that Alvarado gets out of everything, but he at least throws 100 miles per hour and can blow one by a hitter. Corey's not going to do that. Like you said, he lives off the curveball, and if you were doing that, you're at the risk of uh, hanging a curveball at that point and letting that ball go out of the park. So, no, I'm ready to try somebody new. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel because in the past I haven't really been a full matchup guy when it comes to the closer. But I think where you're at now with these two guys, with experience and then a younger guy, I think you do play the matchups a little bit. Brad Hand's been throwing very well. I think you can use him. If you got a lot of lefties coming up or depending on, on the matchups, and then you also use Dominguez with the speed of his. I think I think Sir Anthony's ready for the challenge there as a closer. So I would I don't think I'd designate one of them as the closer, but I think I would remove it from Corey Knievel for very night for right now. Like you say it's tough for a first year guy there, like for Rob. But I take it away and try out Sir Anthony and Brad there in that spot. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um I, it doesn't excite me to have Brad Hand in there in the ninth inning either is as good as he has looked at times for us this year. Um, you know, I, I just in today's game, like you really do just kind of want that, you know, that 98 plus fastball with some run uh, or some cut and just a, a ridiculous slide piece. Um, and while he has a nice off speed pitch there, he's working off a 90, 92 mile an hour fastball. Sometimes he rears it up to 94. Um and it just it makes me nervous in today's game in a, in a ninth inning. Um, you know that being said, I, look, he's obviously he's got history in the game, so um, you know I, I I don't think there's a better option in the pen than the two of those arms. Um, you know, and again, I it, like for me, dude, like it's almost poetic. Like Girardi goes out on a win, Canable's going to go out on a save, <laughs> and it's like okay, this is the next jump. This is the next thing that reinvigorates you know, the next part of this, of this roster, you know, Joe getting out of here and all of a sudden, you know, the, the offense is clicking. We're scoring eight runs a night. Like it's, it's wild. Um, you know, maybe mo- removing Knable and, and s- trusting, you know, 20, what is, uh, he's 25 now, 26. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, Sir Anthony. So trusting a young guy there and then trusting, you know, uh, a guy who's been there before uh, in Brad hand, like, Maybe that's the thing that propels that part. And we get five game runs out of that bullpen there. And all of a sudden, all these pieces kind of start clicking together. And that's kind of the romance of baseball. It's just, uh, it's this puzzle. And so much is built on momentum. And this is the first time in a long time we've had any. So it's uh, it's exciting. Hey, as long as, as long as it's not the playoffs, you can trust hand in that ninth inning. That's fair. <laughs> um, no, I, so actually, Dominguez is actually a little older than I thought he was. Uh, he is uh, 20, well, he'll be turning 28 at the end of November. Um, okay. So not that much older, but I think, uh, no, and, and here's my thing too, is obviously whoever's listening to this by now knows I was a big Hector Neres fan and I always believed he'd be a lot better in the setup role, 
Well, to me, that's kind of what Knievel's pitches are set up for. Like you mentioned, kind of today's game, you want that that firepower in the ninth. Like to me, he's almost set. And that's why I would try Dominguez first, honestly, beforehand, just because I feel like that duo of similar stuff, a lefty and righty in hand and Knievel, would be a, a pretty dynamic and uh, a pretty good duo there in the eighth inning as a setup role spot. Cause I feel like his curveball and stuff is more set up for that eighth inning and would get you ready for that ninth there for Dominguez to then take over with the speed. So I do think that would kind of play a factor in one of those things where you find that closer and it brings everybody kind of to where they should be and it almost makes them take off too. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if, honestly, if I'm the Phillies right now, you know, I'm, I'm looking in in the minor league system right now, and I'm I'm pulling out a right-handed arm somewhere, uh, and I'm kind of fibbing an injury for uh, for Knable and just kind of giving him that that ten days even uh, to just to reset, you know, and then maybe the next you know two or three series road trip, that's when you bring him back in, uh, make sure he gets a couple games under his belt before he gets back to Philadelphia. Um, because he's a guy right now who like you could just tell like he's just he's he's pinching the laces a little hard you know those curveballs are bouncing a foot before the plate um you know they're they're breaking you know as opposed to breaking at 58 feet and making it hard over those last couple feet to the plate you know they're breaking it at, at like 48 50 feet and it's like wow like now this is just a really slow spinner that's coming at me right now um you know and this is a guy who just clearly doesn't have the feel um so, you know, maybe some time away, um, you know, and then uh, a little bit of time, you know, on the road to pitch, uh, not in front of, you know, the Philly faithful out there, uh, just to kind of get, <laughs> get his feel back, get his confidence back and get a couple good out- outings under his belt. Because um, I, I don't think he's an untalented dude. I just think he's when you're so dependent on your secondary pitch to be the pitch like. Yeah. And your fastball isn't a blow you away fastball like like last night he got it up to like 96 97 uh you know but he's primarily a 95 ish guy and like i'm not saying that's not a hard fastball it is but like when it's a straight it is his like yeah you like that is all it's just like hector naris you're like it's exactly like that hector naris is a very flat 95 96 mile an hour fastball on his best days and the reason it works is because he plays that split right off that because it falls off the same line and that's what makes hector great when he's great because he executes both of those pitches because you have to respect that that dip of that uh of um of his split well if you don't have to respect the spin of knable's curve that 95 mile an hour fastball coming in flat like there's not a hitter in the major league baseball that they can't put that in the seats. I agree. And so two things you just talked about, I want to get into real quick before I move on to the next topic. Um, kind of with, with the usage there of Quark Able. My first thing is we've talked about injury stuff in the past and everything. And, and we've talked about the usage and how much you're being worked. How much do you think, how much do you think can play a factor in his recent injury history? Cause I mean, you look at his numbers. He's already at 24 innings pitched this year, and it's only June 8th. Well, the last time he threw over 25 innings is 2018. So he isn't he hasn't thrown over 25 innings since 2018. As in 2018, he, he threw 55 innings there, and then in 2020, uh, he threw he threw 13 innings. 2021, he threw 25, and then this year again, he's already at 24. So how much do you think that usage do you think is play a factor? Because one thing you do notice when the season started, he was pretty lights out. And then all of a sudden, uh, kind of, I don't, 
I don't think it was beginning. It was more towards the mid-May to currently is when his struggle started. So what do you think about all that? Yeah, I think that's a very valid point. Um, you know, and again, it, it, to me, it kind of goes to the let's let's reset this guy a little bit. Right. Let's give him a little bit of time. Um, you know, I, I like I'm always someone who like I've never cared about pitch count before. I, I've never cared about overall usage. I've always cared about like high stress innings. That's the number that like for me is the thing that like I gauge how much wear and tear a pitcher may go through in any given year um, or, or any given night and outing. Um, and I just think that when you take a look at, you know, early May on for him, I mean, you're, you're looking at a dude who's having more rough outings than not, you know, even when he's getting those saves there, there are base runners in scoring position. Um, and that wears on you more than, uh, you know, you could throw 50 pitches and, you know, you're, you're, you're working hard, but there's no one on base and you got a three run lead. Um, you know, those 50 pitches don't wear on you the same way that six pitches do when, you know, you got bases loaded, uh, you know, last night after you hit back to back home runs off of, uh, one of the, one of the best bullpen arms that we've seen in our generation and hater. Um, you know, so I do, I think you're, I think you're hundred percent right with that, with that read that, um, you know, right now it's maybe, and maybe he's already a little spent, you know, going through a little bit of a dead arm period. Um, I'd be curious to see what they do with him. I'd be curious to see how they manage him. And um, I don't, I don't know. Well, well, I guess we'll see. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and then you said, you mentioned how you would, were interested to see if they would uh, go down to look at AAA, see if you had a right arm, maybe to bring up and everything and send him down, use the injury, whatever, and shut him down for a couple of days or whatever, kind of re, revamp him a little bit and this wouldn't really necessarily look down to triple a but in the recent yesterday came out the Phillies were actually uh scouting a right-hander as he was doing a workout and that's Trevor Rosenthal would you have any interest in bringing him in obviously they we're there for the workout but I mean would you have interest in bringing him in you obviously missed spring training so he'd start in triple a there and then uh get called up at some point if he ever feels ready if he's performing well uh, recently, recent numbers for him, if you're not familiar with uh, Trevor Rosenthal, in uh, 2019, or 2019, sorry, it's too far. <laughs> uh, 2020, in the shortened season, he had a 1.90 ERA uh, before last season, kind of coming back down to earth a little bit, got hurt and uh, had a shortened year because of a groin injury. So maybe that's that's going to happen a little bit with him. Obviously, something to look out for. But career numbers: three three six ERA, 132 saves, a 31% strikeout rate, which is pretty good. And then uh, he he tops out at 98 uh, miles per hour for his average fastball. I feel like he's been tied to the Phillies for like over a decade. Like yeah. it's so weird. It just feels like every deadline, every offseason, it's there's always someone poking around saying, you know, this would fit. Um, and it would make sense that we're you know we're we're taking a look at him at, at one of those, uh, you know, kind of tryout performance type things when he's, you know, probably at his end of his run, right? Like, so it's, you know, it's frustrating. You, you, you got to go like, same thing, like with a guy like Kutch, you know, we were rumored to be in the conversations with him forever. Um, you know, and we get him when he's, you know, 32, 33 years old after the worst two years of his career. Um, you know, that being said, you know, I think at this point with the bullpen, um, I, anyone who's got a, an established history, um, take a shot on them. Uh, what I would say is, and I know that this is not the easiest thing to do, um, 
but I would say that when it proves to, because I believe that there's value in a lot of those types of arms, uh, you know, the, the established relievers who are either, you know, had down years or they're coming back off injuries. Um, I think the Corey Knable thing can happen. I think that they can be, you mentioned how dominant he was early in the year. And Corey Knable did look really good early on in the year. It was, I, I mean, I recall texting you guys and, and you guys texting me, uh, you know, just oh, how nice it is to sit there and watch an, an easy ninth inning. Um, and then fast forward to now, and obviously that's not what we're getting. Um, and I think the what would almost help this team is if like you just sit there and you just sign all of the Knables and Rosenthal's and just bring them in here, let them throw for a month. And when it proves that time is caught up to them already, get them the hell out of here. Like just use them for what they are. Keep grooming some young guys. Hope that you come on up and, and make some, uh, you know, kind of put together something that works uh, in that September push. So, um, but yeah, I would take a shot on them, uh, you know, 10 out of 10 times. No, I completely agree with that. And then moving on, let's go over to the other part of the other uh, pitching. And that's, that's the rotation. I continue to, obviously Kyle Gibson had a hiccup his start against the uh, angels, but Overall, I mean, this starting pitching continues to, in my eyes, I, mean, I was expecting to be bad, but in my eyes are still overperforming my expectations a, a little bit here. And let's start with, let's start with kind of the, the good and the bad before I get get to um, the next guy, and that's Ranger Suarez. I mean, obviously he struggled uh, so far this year, but he came out and probably had his best start of the season last night against Milwaukee on the road. He went seven innings, only allowing two runs. Unfortunately, he didn't pick up the win, but he obviously kept you in the game the whole time before you were able to make that comeback and win. And I think that was huge for Ranger, especially against a good team. It wasn't like it was, oh, you end up facing a bad team, so you don't really know what you No, he went out and faced a good lineup and was able to do that. So to me, at least, that was very encouraging to see that from Ranger. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that, you know, it, to, to expect what we got out of him last year, a sub-2 ERA would have, was always going to be unrealistic for, for this year. Um, you know, but what I will say is, you know, the, the guy didn't have a traditional spring, um, you know, and, and, and coming, coming along early in the season, like he it's, he may have only really been fully stretched out where he's comfortable taking the ball and knowing he, he, you know, he can pitch seven, eight innings. Um, it's probably only been the last several starts. Um, you know, so it's going to take, you know, especially a guy who has been, a starter then worked down to a, to a bullpen arm and then ramped up to being a starter again. Um, you know, I would assume that this is, it's a little bit of uh, you know, a little bit of shock. So um, I think it's a very positive thing. What we saw last night um, and a, a big confidence boost for, for a younger guy like that in your rotation. Um, and I keep saying it, man, like this outside of Wheeler, like no one's overly sexy in this rotation, but everybody like everybody can shove, everybody can give you like that, that the one really good Eikhoff year, you know, the 32 starts out for him where, where he had like a three and a half ERA or something like everybody can give you that or better on this rotation. And like, that's awesome. I'm here for that with this offense. Great. And last night was a first step for, for Ranger and moving in a direction where, you know, we can count on him to be that, that kind of sub sub three sub three and a half ERA guy yeah absolutely and then moving on to the next guy and I know he's he's pitching tonight we'll see how he he counters his last performance but Aaron Ola, once again he's he came off a really good start against Atlanta just missed a, a complete game shutout ends the game with eight eight uh eight and a third innings giving up one run and then he goes <laughs> to the Giants game 
And man, he he was lights out. Like he was lights out the entire game. I even heard Ricky Batalgo talking about it. It was like, okay, this guy's gonna have another chance to go another complete game. And then all of a sudden, he hits that third time around the order, sixth inning, and he gives up five runs. What's crazy is it feels like when he gives up one or two runs, he never gets to win. And then he gives up five runs in that game, and he still got the win. But it's that's just the story of of his career. I feel like in the last year or two. <laughs> it is but, weird. I mean, just the one thing that, and obviously that we've talked about that in the past is his four or five innings of dominant innings, and then all of a sudden he hits a hiccup. And we've talked about maybe pulling him after the, the fourth or fifth inning kind of just because that, that's the way he's been going. The one thing he continues to do is just he strikes out batters at a high rate. And that's why I'm, I'm like, it's it's so tough to figure out what you want to do with a guy like that because he is that dominant. And, I mean, just to read his numbers this year, he's got three nine two year race, three and four. Obviously, you, when we first got him, you expected a little bit lower than 3.9, but it is good to see it back consistently in the threes so far this year. Hopefully he's able to lower that again a little bit here this evening, but he struck out, he's striking out 79 batters and only 66 innings. So again, that numbers, and then his whip is only 0.93. So again, it's not that he's allowing a lot of base runners. It's just, he gives up that kind of one or two big hits in those key moments instead of finding a way out of it. Like he used to. Yeah. I mean, what I would attribute a lot of, of the Aranola experience to is he never really seems to have more than two pitches going for him at a time. Um, you know, he likes to run that, that off the hip fastball, uh, to lefties in, and he kind of uses that as another off speed pitch, like as another option to his, you know, his four seam fastball. Um, but he doesn't like, I just I wish that there was an offseason plan for him that like made him confident enough to to at least have three pitches that he can throw every single day out um, because there's only so much you can do. You know, you get through that lineup, you know, two and three times and you, know, you get these guys coming back up. And if they really only have to guess on two pitches and they've seen what you got, you really like there's no chess moves left, man. It's just like yeah. your stuff versus their bat. Let's see who wins. Um you know, and they're, they're going to win, you know, it's, that's, that's what it is. Um, you know, so part of to me is, is the fact that he hasn't found that consistent third pitch every start out. And when he does have that pitch, we do see the six, seven, eight, nine innings of work from him, uh, of really, really great ball. And he's so much fun to watch. Um, he just doesn't, uh, he doesn't always have that feel part of that. I, I kind of attribute to whomever's catching him, you know, whether it, uh, I'm pretty sure it's almost always JT at this point. Um, you know, but the rare occasion that Stubbs may be out there uh, as well for a Nola start, you know, to me, I, I would be working hard to establish the third pitch early to make sure that there was some confidence there in that, um, you know, and uh, it, it's kind of that cost benefit. Do you risk some more balls in play against the defense? that's not very good. Do you risk, you know, base runners get, you know, getting out there on base and having Aaron pitch out of the stretch more, you know, often early on to create a feel for a third pitch so that he can go deeper into the game or do you just take five dominant innings and if things start to kind of go haywire in the six you just yank them early you know it's it's really i don't envy the manager's decision when it comes to an era nola start i just think it's a really really tough thing to do um you know i think for for me um i I don't know. I to me, I, honestly, like when he's right, I, he's more fun to watch than Zach Wheeler. So it's really frustrating. <laughs> um. So, but yeah. 
No, I, agree. I mean, I agree with you completely. It is probably one of the toughest things you can do with this team just because you're probably so tempted to be like, okay, yeah, this is where he's going to fall off. We need a pull. And that's that's kind of where you, you mentioned earlier with uh, Knievel, making sure you have somebody ready when he's in the game. That's kind of what you have to do with Nola, too, I think, at this point. You not, don't necessarily have to pull him, but you have to make sure somebody's ready. So if he does start to show that sign, you, you know he's he's fallen off in the past. So if if he's good, if he starts to show that in the sixth inning, you have to be ready to, to maybe yank him a little bit earlier than you wanted to. And I think that might be something maybe you see from Rob here early on uh, in his managerial um, tenures. We'll see as he kind of makes adjustments as well. Because yeah, it is kind of it's just it's so weird when when you have a guy like that that talented uh, do that, not able to to maintain that. One thing I think, and we already talked about the. The energy these young guys bring. One thing I think Rob has done a lot better, obviously, is giving these young guys time. And I know some of these guys have been hurt since he's taken over. Segura got hurt, so he's kind of forced to play somebody. Now you have Camargo go down as Didi comes back. So you, you figure Stout's going to get a lot of time at second base now. Um, but Didi at short, and Alec will be playing third. And then uh, Mickey Moniak out in center. He's not playing tonight. They put a rare back there, but... One thing, I mean, he is, he's letting these young guys play. Harper, I mean, I know you, I think we talked about in our chat, Harper took that uh, shot, it seemed like at your already kind of uh, paraphrasing here, saying, listen, it's great to have these young guys finally have time to, to get time on the field every day and everything. So it, it's, it's good to see these young guys go, and I think that's going to go a long way. The one young guy, he it hasn't really gotten a full consistent playing time yet is Mickey Moniak. I personally think it's, because he's coming off that injury, still still trying to get things back. Um, the one thing I was surprised, though, <coughs> is no, everybody always finds a way to go back to Herrera. Like, that, that's what's funny to me. It's like, I was thinking, okay, it might give Mickey off. I was thinking Matt Verling would be out there tonight after the big home run he had. But no, they go back to Herrera. So that's the one guy that continues to survive. So do you still view the center field, as you see Stott getting more everyday reps, do you still see center field, I guess, being that platoon, no matter, no matter who's out there? Um... I guess for now, I mean, obviously that's, that's, that's what they're showing us. Um, but I, I don't think that that is something that will remain. I think if this team keeps winning in the center field spot proves to be a hole, um, I think a move is going to be made at the deadline um, and they're going to find their everyday center fielder. Um, but I think that, you know, ideally Mickey, as he gets more time there, uh, he kind of pulls away for himself and, um, and so, which is weird, honestly, I'm more confident with Mickey out there than I am with any of the other young guys like on the diamond at all, which is, and I know that that's not, you know, pe- people look at Stott and, you know, and they, and they take a look at what he's been able to do in his short minor league time with us. And, and he's a sexier look um, than what a, a Mickey Moniak is right now, a, a guy perceived by many to be a, a number one overall pick bust. Um, but he's, he's a plus fielder. He's got a nice arm. Um, he does have nice plate, discipline and recognition out there um it's just gonna he just seems to just not get the consistent time um and i'll be i'll be really curious to see as he does inevitably get that time with uh with topper to be out there um how he kind of runs with that um you know we'll we'll see how how that kind of comes along but um in in terms of the herrera thing like Dude, I've I've just seen enough of him as a human being. Like I'm just kind of I'm done with the experience. Um, that being said, like 
the guy we you've talked about it probably more than than Biscador or me. The guy's never looked like he's gotten better or wanted to get better in yeah. anything. That being said, like guy's hitting like 270, 275. Like he has some pop. Like he he's an idiot in the outfield, but like he's got enough speed to make up for it a lot of the time. Um, you know, I, I just think he's just like content being an average baseball player at best. And sometimes the average at best player is our best player in center field, and that's disgusting. Um, so I do hope that Mickey, you know, gets the time to pull to pull away there. Yeah, no, I agree with you there too. And that's what it'll be interesting to see what they do come deadline time because you know if you're gonna get an everyday player in center field, they're gonna be looking for somebody that's ready now. So then it will probably come down to do you want to give up on Mickey? Or not give up on him, but is he a guy you're gonna include for an everyday center field? Obviously probably mainly depend on what the age of that guy coming in is or if it's just gonna be a, a rental piece. So that, that's where I'm honestly kind of happy. I'm not in a position to make that kind of move. We were talking about Rob earlier. I'm happy I'm not Dave in that situation because it's like he's still got a lot of potential. He's shown it at times. He, we all believe he just needs everyday playing time. <laughs> but obviously, if you're going to go all in, and we've seen Dave do that in the past, going all in on a guy. So we'll see what happens there. But I guess real quick before we move on, would you? I know you're a big Mickey guy, so would you be willing to move him for an everyday center fielder? Um, yeah, you know, I think at this point, so my entire view and philosophy on prospects over the last year, year and a half is severely switched. I've always been, a, a, a just a total romantic for the development prospect, um, of, of these young guys in sports across the board. But after the Ron Hextall experience with the Flyers and us not having developed a single player worth a damn, you know, after the Phillies having, you know, I think a top five, top seven farm system in baseball for three, four years there. And like it took until now for J.P. Crawford to be like the only one of them who's an everyday player, who is a plus player. Like think about all the people that we've traded over the years when we were competitive, uh, you know, and then when we were selling off pieces at the end of that that competitive uh, run um, and even later after that, like fucking no one turned into anybody at this point i don't care how much potential you have i'm going with the guy that i know can do it um you know i i believe in mickey moniac i love mickey moniac i would love for him to be here i would love for him to set himself aside uh or separate himself uh you know as as a clear cut you can rely on me center fielder um that being said if he doesn't and we have to make him part of the package to to bring somebody else in here you do what you got to do. Like at this point, I am, uh, you know, the, the Philadelphia sports market has broken me down and my love for the prospects uh, in sports. I I just don't care. Well, you'd look at B-ball Paul out there. Couldn't get <laughs> playing time until the last two weeks of the season. Like, it's just stupid. Zaire Smith didn't, he almost died. I just, I hate, I hate Philadelphia. I hate all of us. It's terrible. It's a hard place to be. No, definitely. I I guess real quick, stay on this this topic here, because I think it's a good good topic here. As we get closer, we're still obviously far out, but if you couldn't get best of both worlds, and it came down to you have to decide, do you want uh, a worse hitter where he's not going to come in and be the leadoff hitter, but he's going to be a fantastic defender out there in center field and, and really man that outfield, or would you rather another offensive <laughs> bat who can come out of your leadoff, 
you move Kyle down to, to a spot he's been hitting well this season, and uh, you're able to take him off the leadoff spot. Which one would you prefer if you can't get both? It all comes down to where Harper's at. Um, if Harper can play the field, uh, you can go ahead and you can got you can get another bat for center field. Um, and I think you're okay. Cause you know, while Harper is not a gold glove caliber fielder, he is better than the three options we put out there most nights, you know, unless Mickey's out there in center field, um, defensively I'm talking about, um, if he is primary, just a DH for the remainder of the season, you have, you have to, you have got to get someone that can go out there and cover in just insane amount of the outfield. Um, and that, that becomes like a, a top priority to me. Um, because Schwarber is, you know, he's here for his bat. It, it's, this is, it's a huge hole uh, in left field there uh, defensively. And like Castellanos just has no arm and just has terrible reads. Like they're like, both of those guys are, are ideal DHs and to have two DHs in your corner outfield and then a platoon situation in center is not ideal. Well, yeah, I completely agree with it. And I, I think, I, I I agree with you in that sense. It all will come down to Harper, and unfortunately, I don't know how much is going to change or how much you can rely on him for it to change. Just because it's so tough, he, he could be healthy, and then his first throw, trying to gun somebody down at the plate, he rehurts. You know what I mean? He re-injures it, and he's right, right back where he started. So if I had to kind of pick one right now, I'd probably lean towards a defender, just because. You've you've lost so many in between guys there. Like uh, we saw the one with Herrera at the wall, I think in Atlanta. You've seen uh, the miscommunication with Quinn and Castellanos, and, and that's where I, mean, I was talking to my brothers about it a little bit too. Is I think the communication in the outfield is so undervalued just because of you, the center field of speed. You're so used to this guy. I mean, you think about it, you have Quinn versus Herrera. You know Quinn's going to make up a lot of ground for those guys when it gets there. Herrera, why is probably an average runner he's not that fast not he's, gonna make up. he's not gonna make him up yeah so it, it's an interesting spot there and, and that's why i go defender because i think that will go a long way for this team so how much okay. with mickey so i view mickey as as a, a plus defender you know i think that he covers a decent amount of ground i think for him he makes really nice reads on the ball which yes. kind of makes up for his i'm not saying he has bad speed it's just not anything excellent um but when you make really good reads off the bat you make up for a lot of that um and then his arm you know is not it's not roman quinn he's not throwing in 98 mile an hour seeds uh to the plate but he's got a decent enough arm out there like is that defensively sound enough for you to make up or are you really looking for like you're looking for a legit stud out there in center field like a gold glove caliber uh fielder to to kind of make up for the castellanos and uh, and Schwarber experience for me personally, I do honestly believe it is enough to hold off. Like if, if that is the situation and you need defense, I'm okay with sticking it out with Mickey. Uh, just because I, I think even the little bit he's played, I think you've seen a lot better, uh, outfield in terms of defensively from th- just the outfielders. Obviously we've still had mistakes and everything. I'm not saying it's been perfect, but I think it has been a lot better and here's my thing with that is you've seen it. You've seen him make good reads. Like you mentioned, you've seen him make diving plays. You haven't really seen him have the opportunity to, to throw someone out like, like when Roman Quinn did a couple of times, but I do think he's enough. And especially the way he's coming up. And I think 
we've seen his struggles in the past too, but we've also seen him get beyond the offensive struggles. You, to me, so far, I believe it's not going to affect the way he plays in the field. So I am okay with sticking out for another reason is we already know we have a thin farm system. So if you're not going to upgrade really <laughs> offensively there, I think you're more valuable to hang on to some of those guys from the farm, including another younger guy who might benefit from a, a more a, a full spring training and hopefully he doesn't get hurt this time. Because I, I still think his offense isn't as slow as it's been this year if he doesn't get hurt. I'm not saying he would have went out and hit 380, but I, I think it would have been better than what he's at right now if he doesn't go out and break his hand or wrist. I forget what exactly it was there before the season. I, I do think it, it comes out a, a different way for him. So I'm okay with that. I'd be okay with this defense. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much exactly where you are. Um, again, it may very well just be the fact that I do overvalue Mickey. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I just I I do have a tie to him. Um, you know, I, more so than most of our other prospects. But um, you know, I, obviously for the remainder of our prospects, I'm like, if we got to move someone, just fucking move them. So it's uh, it's it's a weird place to be. Absolutely. Final full-on topic here for discussion. Phillies closing out the series with the Brewers, as mentioned earlier. you got two two left with them here Wednesday evening and Thursday afternoon. And then you return home for three against Arizona, who was a beatable team. I mean, they're not a bad team that you can come out and overlook, obviously, but they're they're 26-31, and basically right where you're at. And then you also stay home then the following week at the start for three against the Miami Marlins, which we all know <laughs> the history between us and the Marlins with how much we struggle against a team like the Marlins. So we'll see what happens with them as they come in uh, uh, in this or come in next week as well. What are you looking for in this next week? Obviously, most likely you're not going to win every game, but what, what are you looking for from this team as they continue a, a full week here under Rob? Um, yeah, you look, yeah, I mean, we're, we're not going to we're not going to win the next eight games. Um, you know, in a row, I, I don't think. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just play above 500 ball right now. Like, you know, it's, Biscuit has been saying this, you know, all year, uh, probably even into parts last year, like five, it just isn't good enough anymore. Like we're just, we're like, it's not acceptable to play 500 baseball anymore. Um, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, like we're in a place in the division, we're in a place in the standings overall that, you can't just play 500 baseball. You got to be taking two out of three in as many series as you possibly can. Um, you know, and honestly, when teams like the Angels come in that are, that are play just in, in the middle of just a hard stretch of baseball, you got to take advantage of that. You just like we did, you know. So it's for for me, it's beat the teams that you need to beat uh, or that you're supposed to beat and and hold ground against the others. Um, you know, so again, for for me, play play better than 500 ball. Uh, for for the rest of the week here and uh, and for for Topper specifically, um, I, I think that I'm, I'm probably watching a little closer than I ever would be for managerial decisions now, um, because I want to see how much he trusts himself. Um, I want to see if if Knable gets the ball in the ninth inning again because I think that that's that decision is malpractice. Um, you know, I want to see you know what his decision is like in seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. Um, whether or not he has another arm getting ready in the bullpen. Um, I want to know why Caleb Cotham didn't go out initially 
uh, and why it was only JT last night. Um, I, was that a Caleb Coffin yeah. decision or was that uh, a, a topper decision to say, hey, no, let's let's let JT handle that. So, you know, th- there's a lot that I'll be watching for in terms of, of what he does and what he goes out there um, and corrects. Uh, so it'll it'll be a fun process over the next you know week and a half to kind of see where his decision processes kind of s- separate and differ from that of what we expected out of Joe Girardi. You know, absolutely. And I think I'm the same way. Um, obviously, you're, you're playing a tough Milwaukee team. Hopefully, now that you won game one, you're able to uh, take one more from that series and win that one. And then, again, Arizona's a team at home. You should be able to, to win that series, and you hope you can win the Miami series uh, as well there. And you continue, you continue to make up some ground. Obviously, listen, it, I, I kind of don't pay attention to the standings. I don't know about you until about the All-Star break. Obviously, the, the 12 and a half games – is a lot from when Rob took over, but you've already made up two going into today. You're down to 10 and a half, but more realistically, you currently sit four games back of that last wild card spot. So, well, that's the thing. You keep winning series. You got to keep finding a way to chip away at that, continue to make it lower. And to me, again, you don't pay attention to that stuff until the Oster break. So just keep chipping away until you get to that point uh, there in the season uh, as we go forward. I So, well, fi- oh, go ahead. That's exactly how it should be. You know, for, for me, as, as you're playing on, like, uh, we're all we're all aware of what the Mets are doing. Like, they're running away with the division at this point. You know, I, I'm not cons- I'm not considering that. I just want to control the things that I can control. Right. That That's what we that's what all organizations should be going out there to do. And once again, like this is win series. Take two out of three. If you take two out of three all the way, like you are a damn good baseball team. So. Yes. You know, you're you're gonna you're gonna slip up. We're, we're gonna play the Marlins. They're probably gonna fucking sweep us because it's the Marlins. <laughs> um, and when that happens, like you just got to be prepared to come out the next series and take two out of three or, or sweep. Uh, you know, whomever's up after them. Like it's just you have to respond uh, and not allow for you know these losing streaks to to kind of go on to the place where you're losing eight out of ten games. Um, you know, you, you to steal one from Jalen Hurts. You have a bad series, bad series against the the Marlins. Flush it. You know, that's it. Move on. Um, and uh, and I'll be curious to see how this team responds to those inevitable moments when they will happen, because uh, it's a long season here with, with uh, in Major League Baseball um, under, you know, under Thompson uh, as to what they did with with Girardi. And the most Philly thing ever would be you find a way to sweep Milwaukee and Milwaukee and then you come home and get swept by the Marlins. That would be the most Philly thing ever to balance out that uh, that sweep there to make it three and three between those two series. But kind of, I just want quick takes on these next two things. Like you don't have to go in depth. Just two fun facts here to close the show. Or not fun facts. One of them is a fun fact. The other one is more interesting. I don't know. I haven't really found too much on it yet. Um, but I saw a thing today. I don't know if you saw this. And it said Joe Girardi and Nick Castellanos reportedly have only spoke two or three times the entire year. How concerning is that if that is true? Like, that is that's, unbelievable. <laughs> that's disgusting. Uh, that's, that's your prized free agent right there. That's And I don't know if that – honestly, like, as, as stubborn as Joe is, like, I don't – Castellanos just sounds and looks like a total asshole, like in the most, like, proud Philadelphia way. So it wouldn't shock me if he was just like, yeah, fuck off, Joe. And that was just it. <laughs> That's bad, dude. That's embarrassing. Where'd you find that? It was on Twitter. It, it was um, it was two people. I can't remember who it was. They're having a discussion about it. 
again, so I haven't really found a full-on, like, trustworthy source about it. But, I mean, that's something you don't really make up and have a conversation on there. So that's why I do find a little bit of truth behind it. But who knows? In this day and age, you got to be careful what you read on Twitter. But I just thought it would be an interesting uh, thing to pick up there or to put out there uh, just because I saw it. Uh, but then the final – here's the fun fact, and maybe it's because of the talent around him this year compared to last year in the lineup. I don't know if you saw this stat after his, yep, after his yeah. sacrifice fly last night. <laughs> He's at 41 RBIs already this year. At this point in last year, he had 19 or 20, uh, depending on which day you looked at. But that, that when I heard that from uh, Scott Fransky, because I was listening to it at that point on the sacrifice fly yesterday, that was just unbelievable. Like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I am. Um, it, it's crazy. So like I, we're seeing a lot of different Bryce Harper stuff come up on Twitter. Um, I forget, you know, who, it may have even been that Franskin LA account that put it up uh, on Twitter. They were comparing the stats of this year versus his MVP year last year. And in all the categories you would want uh, a stat to trend up, he was higher and all the things that you want to trend down, he was lower. And, and now again, these are handpicked stats. There are obviously there are other stats there where, yeah you know, it, it was going to be against whatever point they were trying to prove with their, with their data there. Um, but it is fascinating to sit there and see that in like nine separate main categories of, of offense, he's trending better than his MVP season last year, which was an obviously unbelievable season, taking away the MVP and uh, as a whole, and just taking a look at the body of work, what an incredible season he had. Uh, and to be trending better than that this year is is just so special. Um, I just uh, I, I want so bad for this guy to win something here. I, I just right. Oh my god. More and not only like that, you win that. Oh, is that sorry? I just more than anything, like he's just such a passionate dude and loves the game of baseball so much. And uh, like I'm just like I'm I'm just reminded of all the joy that that, that came from you know, watching all the guys pour in from their various positions and dugouts and after the 2008 World Series and, you know, everybody's running in and they're all just, you know, they're all, they're just, they're pumped. And like, to me, like, I almost just feel like Bryce Harper would just break down and cry. And I'm like, dude, I just cry with him. Like, yeah. just unbelievable. But it, it, he's an unbelievable player, unbelievable guy. He's obviously taken the, the city in very well as well. And, I mean, it's just incredible to think. I mean, he puts up those MVP numbers last year, obviously. And as you mentioned, all the stats you want up are up uh, compared to last year. So, one, is he going to win another MVP? And then, <laughs> two, it's just crazy that he's doing all this with a, a torn UCL. Like, he's not even fully healthy. And he's still – he's got a bad elbow, and he's still swinging like this. That's just what's incredible about it all to me, at least. But, um, no, it, it's it's exciting to, to see for him and – Hopefully the team continues to trend in that that right direction. Man, I hope so. Um, it's it's been a lot of fun for for uh, you know a little under a week now, um, and uh, not just the fans, but man, that that clubhouse deserved it. Um, it. It's a I say it so often. It's a really tough city to play uh, to play for and to play in, and um, it's been it's been really special getting to to see them go out there and play a game that I love so much and, and to play it so freely and to play it, you know, with, uh, just, uh, just total fun. Um, and, and that's just been, it's been awesome to watch. Without question. Thanks for listening again to another episode of so you think you can manage. Hopefully the Phillies continue this hot stretch and we're at this time next Wednesday talking about another winning week as the Phillies try to get back to that 500 mark. 
Thanks again for listening to another episode of So You Think You Can Manage.